What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? Welcome for round two today on this Friday, live again with you on another episode of Crossover Commerce, episode 62, presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong provides marketplace sellers and entrepreneurs global solutions for controlling their domestic and international funds. An account with Ping Pong enables companies significantly reduce their costs when receiving or making international payments all in one platform to help increase operational efficiencies, saves time, and allows sellers to manage their businesses from one single source. For more information, I actually, believe it or not, put the link below in the comments in the show notes below. If you have more questions, go ahead and save yourself 2 to 4% on our international conversions and payments. Check us out at usa.pingpongx.com. Thanks for joining us live again on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter, all the social media channels all the time, as many places as possible. We try to bring you nuggets of information on this show. Or if you happen to be watching this on Team Replay, I like to coin that phrase. If you can't catch us live and you're watching us later, go ahead and uh, let us know what you think. Share just like you are uh, watching live. But if you happen to be downloading this on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, truly wherever you download any kind of podcast, we are going to be available. Just search Crossover Commerce by Ping Pong Payments, and you can listen to our most recent episodes released. We are slowly catching up. I have about a quarter of those released on audio form, but we will catch up until we are in synchronization with our video and audio formats. So please stay tuned for more of those to be released this weekend, as well as into next week as well. I promise we will catch up from our last guest. But do me a favor now, if you are watching this live on social media, go ahead and share this episode on social media. No matter where you are listening, again, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, or Twitter, we appreciate the share. Go ahead and subscribe to our channels because I go live about four to five times per week. This week is an exception. It's about six times that we went live. It is six times. It's not about, it is, uh, that we went live. So I'm super excited to be sharing this content with you, our listeners, and on various social media capacities. Just go ahead and share and subscribe for future episodes so that you don't miss a single episode. If you do, again, go ahead and share and let us know what you think of every episode. We do see these comments come in real time, so I promise we will give you a shout out. If you want to just say hi, say hi. If you want to ask a question for me or my guests, Go ahead and do that because we want to make sure that you're getting the most information out of this episode as possible. Time is money, and we want to make sure that you gain something from spending your time with us every episode. So about our guest today, if again, if you're not catching us live, let me go ahead and bring, uh, let me go ahead and kind of give you a quick intro. Our guest today is a thought leader in the Amazon branding space. He's a resident mentor at UMKC's Regioner Institute of Entrepreneurship and Innovation and guest lectures at the Henry W. Bloch School of Management. He found early success in internal corporate e-commerce manager, and in less than a year, he launched and scaled corporate brands to new, new to Amazon, topping to over a million dollars in new sales, and repeated this more than once in several different businesses. With this success, he actually launched both a landlocked company, apparel brand, and Marketology, an Amazon brand accelerator, which is super exciting, we'll touch on today. Marketology is actually has worked with over 200 global brands in sales of over $200 million, which is fantastic. Again, Adidas, uh, Nyla Bone, Guardian Bikes, and Swiss are just some of those international clients. And then Kansas City clients include Flauntless, Starch, Made in KSC, uh, upon many, many others that I don't have time to just mention today, but they're very, very great brands. But Andrew, is our, our guest is featured on weekly podcasts, Start a Puzzle, and speaks on e-commerce branding and Amazon at conferences and events all over the United States. Um, to follow his journey, you can obviously check him out on Searching Marketology. Welcome to the show, Andrew Morgans of Marketology. Andrew, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Ryan. Thanks for uh, having me on today. Yeah, no problem. You're a busy guy, so I appreciate the time and effort. You're not recording a podcast yourself, are you? No. <laughs> like, no. you didn't do that earlier? <laughs> no, uh, I didn't. I had uh, two yesterday. So uh, Holy cow. You're like me. I two know. in one day? I think you're doing a little bit more than me with six this week. Um, 
<laughs> but between my own and, and being a guest on one or two, I'm probably at three or four, you know, so uh, that's awesome. repetition makes uh, makes perfect. So I, I, I don't think that's how it goes. Practice makes perfect. Repetition makes pertinence, right? Yes, maybe. I'm going with it. But if you're listening to this, let us know. What is that phrase? Yeah, we exactly. need to know. Like, it's um, important. It's been a long week, man. I went to, um, thanks for having it's me good. on. And like, yeah, the fact that I didn't have to cancel, I honestly uh, took a road trip down to Austin. Um, you're in Austin, Texas right now? No, I'm in Kansas City. I drove. Back. I was going to say. I drove back. I was there, uh, you know, obviously before it's everything so public, you don't know, like, is the power coming back on or whatever. I went down there to actually get ahead, brought all my podcast equipment. I had a lot for like two weeks, um, which is going to crush out some work and, and be alone, you know, running an agency, you have all these demands from everyone all the time. And to get into the deep work, you need to be left alone sometimes. So I was like, uh, packed up the Jeep and headed, headed down there. And it was just a shit show. Like, I'm, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, it's probably not an ideal week if you're if you're gonna spend it in Texas. No, so instead of getting ahead, I got a little behind um, because you know we went. I went seventy two hours before I was like, I gotta get out of here. Like, it's not coming back. So yeah, um, drove through, got home late Wednesday night, um, and I'm glad to be back. I got electricity and power, so my heart is <laughs> never by the truck. You have, you have heat. You have electricity. You have internet all the essentials, which is crazy. I, and, and again, if you're watching for this or listening to this from Texas, our heart goes out to you. Like we have guests from the show and I have connections down there who are still without power and electricity and internet in an e-commerce world. You really can't function without many of those, you know, right, necessities. Like, I don't need much. Like, honestly, I need <laughs> even just like cell service and food. I need food. Uh, need food. So I was charging, like, you know, I was charging my devices in my Jeep for at least the first two days, like trying to just like hotspot out of there. And even hotspotting was just tough. Um, man, it was just uh, the struggle. Like, I mean, yeah. uh, first world problems for sure, I guess. It's some, I know some people are really suffering, but like uh, not very often as Americans, we go several days without power or food, right? Like right. Um, usually it's a neighborhood, but you can at least go to the grocery store across town and get some stuff, you know, um, couldn't find candles, couldn't find food, couldn't. So, uh, e-commerce wasn't working either. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Especially yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I'm glad you got back safe, especially, in, especially in this world. It's almost like a digital nomad lifestyle. Uh, cause we've had people just travel the world and they're like, when they saw the pandemic, it like, where can I go just to kind of lay low and do it in a warm, nice place. And they're like in Indonesia or, you know, uh, pocket or wherever they might be around the world. Uh, but you're in Kansas city like going from Kansas city down to Texas, what, what's kind of that like getaway like for you personally, is that like just a road trip? How many hours? Like what, what is that like? Do you make stops well, like, along the way? Tell, tell us about that. Okay. So like, I, I, I haven't, I haven't left my city and I swear to God, I feel like a year. I had that feeling and it kind of just felt like, like kind of darkness closing in a little bit, like a hamster yeah. in a wheel kind of thing. And um, I have, become an entrepreneur and built my agency the way I've built it and everything I've done to be able to have more freedom in my life and yes. whether financially or geographically or relationally or whatever, right? It's all been about quality of life um, and doing something that I don't hate. You know, I love e-commerce. I'm, I'm absolutely still very, very passionate about it going on nine years. Um, so I, it still, it, it still um, challenges me. You know, um, and I, I think that's everybody needs to find a career, you know. And so for me, it was finding this and a big part of that is being able to travel and work remote, you know. So I've got like portable screens that allow me to have two screens. I've got like, you know, my traveling case for stuff. I've just like optimized my life to be able to not be to be just as efficient on the road or like in an Airbnb or wherever. And I still have a team here in Kansas City. We got to run. But I have people now that can kind of help me make that happen. And so um, I can get away. That's and awesome. being able to have creative energy and really be able to, you know, do some of the, you have to jump into these different roles as an entrepreneur, like from, let's say you're planning out your budget for the first time as an agency, like at a high level. And you're trying to like, you know, reconcile all of last year's expenses and figure out exactly where you should set a budget. And, um, you know, everyone starts at different spots for me. I'm still trying to get into that where it's like, no, I'm not just like operating based on cash flow. Like I'm trying to stick to a plan all the way down to like software expenses and stuff, you know? And yeah. um, I want to get away. I wanted to deep dive. And um, Austin is 12 hours from Kansas city. Okay, uh, that's not bad. It's not bad. I put on like a book on tape, you know, or like, uh, and I have these book goals I'm trying to get. So I put a couple of them on and I feel like I'm being productive, you know, on the road, just thinking I'm allowed to just think I'm not taking calls. Yeah. 
um, you know, you go through an eight hour day, let's say it's with client calls or let's say it's just B2B biz dev calls. Um, you're thinking about other people's businesses, other people's problems, other, you know, strategy for other people's businesses. That's what we do. It's what we get paid for. Um, you can, if you go, if you do that too long, you end up, uh, you know, not being able to have some of that energy for your own business, right? Even though I'm an entrepreneur, um, you know, you gotta keep your business first or at least set aside time. Travel is the number one way for me to get that done. And so I was like, I'm just going to drive down to Austin. I got a Jeep and you know, I got two weeks and I got, uh, I was actually a free place to stay. So my, my cousin, um, is house sitting in Colorado. So he was gone for two weeks. His loft was empty. We kind of just like house swap a little bit like that. I was like, okay, awesome. I'll spend two weeks at different coffee shops and um, yeah. even just signed a new brand out of Austin, which I'm super pumped about. Nice. And, um, was I'm- that a face-to-face meeting or is that over like email? How do you guys do that? I was going to before the <laughs> before the storm hit, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, I would obviously for anyone listening, I would ask you know their preference to be online or in person, and some people have no issue with being in person. Um, yeah. So I was trying to get a coffee or a beer for sure. Um, I just haven't met that many people face to face. So I was kind of looking forward to just being out, you know, um, you get so much time back to anyone that cares about their time. You said time is money. I'll jump on that for a second. Like anyone cares about the time. If you're really trying to get stuff done, being alone out of town is different than just staying at home or whatever, like being out of town. Um, and because you have your mom, your dogs, your friends that pops by, like, you know, you've got this networking event or like, you can't just not go to this or, you know, you've got the questions at the office, people are asking you like, um, just the simple things of like, maybe not going to the gym or your typical grocery routine or whatever, you get all this crazy time back. Um, and so a short trip like that can be really productive for me. Um, and so, yeah, that's what was awesome, man. I just drove straight down, listened to books, um, on the way back, I wasn't listening to books because I was driving through the snowstorm in Oklahoma. So I was literally like, I just had a couple of Red Bulls and was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> we're going home. We're getting there. <laughs> home 40 miles an hour, just like, okay, like stay focused. And so I canceled my calls, which isn't something I hate canceling calls on people. Um, just not my thing. Um, you know, it's a commitment to a time. And, um, but I had to, I was just like, man, I'm going to not even be able to give them my best self. if I'm trying to take this call. Like on, I can't even pull over to a coffee shop, you know? Like, right. Um, so it was a little bit of a struggle, but like, you know, it was a reminder that expectations can ruin everything. And, uh, you know, they really can. Cause I had different expectations for that trip. And, um, think about, you know, how blessed I am. I'm back, um, you know, safe and didn't die. And, you know, like at the end of the day, like, uh, the, the walls don't come crashing in. So, I'm back and uh, this weekend's going to be a working weekend. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you're probably catching up on a lot of stuff. I'm probably on the weekend. So, um, but yeah, that that's an interesting story, especially. So what, what's kind of like, as a, you said, almost like a nomad, you can get up and you have everything to be able to go and work no matter what. Over your, like your, was it eight years of being in e-commerce or even longer than that? What's kind of like your best place to go and you feel like the most productive like is it is it a specific place or is it a specific country is it you know what's kind of that what's that getaway almost if you will like is it at an event or like where do you feel the most productive if it's not well, there well that's a trick question for me um <laughs> because like okay i went to babson college in 2020 um which is in boston it was a brand accelerator and so i got mm-hmm with Goldman Sachs to be a part of that technology. It was awesome. And um, great opportunity. I learned a lot. Like there's 150 business owners. You have to have three or four, three or more employees. Like there's these kind of standards to get in there. So everyone there is pretty legit. You know, you're surrounded by a lot of um, cool businesses and people have done way bigger things than I've done. So it's just like, it's kind of like, oh, I'm around this fraternity of, you know, entrepreneurs or sorority. Sorry, either one. Men or women, yeah. Well, or fraternity women. could be men or women, yeah, exactly. For sure. And uh, so I'm there, and uh, and it was like when I was there, I wasn't able actually to work. It was the first week that I was like completely off. Okay, like I don't know that I've even when I travel, I work a lot. It's like part yeah. of traveling. So it, I was completely, I was extremely productive there. Is why I wanted to bring that up. But I wasn't working on my computer. And so um, I committed that if I was going to be there for a week in like the way that the school is set up, like your computer, like you can't get cell service, like they don't like have phones or laptops up during the classes. Like um, 
And so I actually had three all-nighters that week, uh, <laughs> worked through the night to get work done because it's real life. Um, but I was like, if I'm going to be here and I'm not going to be getting work done as far as like physical work sales proposals or whatever, e-commerce, like analysis or audits, like what I'm going to do is build my business relationally. And I went all in. I literally sat like I'm kind of an introvert sometimes. I know it might not seem that way, but like I kind of am. I can be shy in certain situations. And I just committed to like productivity and relationships. So I was like breakfast, lunch, dinner. I was sitting with a different group trying to make friends, trying to just engage. And, you know, it's honestly worked out great. I've got three or four brands from those connections there. Um, but typically it's not like that. And it's uh, I think I get the most done. Um, Honestly, like obviously at home, my setup is the best. I'm on Bob. Right. You know, it's like it's optimal. Um, I've optimized. If I optimize your Amazon listings or your e-commerce listings, you better believe I've optimized my workspace. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel it. you know, it's just who I am. Like if I can be a little bit more productive or whatever, I'm going to get a good setup, you know. Um, so at home. But, you know, creatively at home isn't always the best. So it's kind of just like what I need to get done. And I don't, I wouldn't say there's an exact location that I was just like, man, when I'm there, I'm, you know, because there's so many places I haven't been, I'm still going to places for the, for the first time. Um, so I'm not repeating places too often. Uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Kind of, it's kind of where I'm at. I'm still trying to, you know, I spent a lot of time where I couldn't afford to travel and get the time off in corporate, you know, it was like yeah, two weeks a year and I was going to go see mom in Tampa with, with those two weeks each year, you know, go down there for the holidays and. Um, it was a big part of why I became an entrepreneur and did this in the first place was to be able to uh, continue to grow as a person. And for me, that's that's traveling. That's awesome. And so like unpack a little bit there uh, with you becoming like this entrepreneur, like what what got you to that, you know, that love language with Amazon? Like what what style with e-commerce that made you say like, hey, this is something that I think is a going to be big, but B, I can build a business around it or like consult with people and build their businesses around it. What, what was that like? you know, like, I guess, dating, like relationship building process, like for you? Yeah, it was like light bulb moments. Or like, I recently read the Matt McConaughey book, Green Lights, like, yeah, green light moments. Um, where like, at first, it was I was in a knock, I went to school for computer science or networking and security. And I was working in a knock, making more money than I ever had. Um, but I got depressed there. If I can use that word lightly. Um, I hated being there. I'd just been for <laughs> four and a half years while going to school. Um, so I was like traveling, playing shows, performing, meeting people like just out there, you know, and then I went to a knock where I was making more money doing some like pretty cool stuff. Um, we got attacked by anonymous while I was there. That was kind of cool. Um, yeah. you know, but like, so there was some coolness to it. It was like where IT people go to die. Honestly, they weren't creating anything. I took a leap and went to a startup. Um, I, this was nine years ago or so we put car parts online. And so I was doing that on eBay and Amazon um, was tinkering with Amazon, but I still did over a million in sales that year with just like the parts I put up. So I was like feeling, I was loving it. And that was when I kind of fell in love with e-commerce, but I'd always sell myself as like, okay, I love e-commerce. I'm going to be an e-commerce manager. I'm going to be the best e-commerce manager of all time. Let's go. Like, that's just kind of how I am. I started obsessing about it um researching studying trying things um at the startup i was able to try all these different things and they encouraged it when i became an e-commerce manager and got a, a, car, a corporate job doing the same thing based on that experience they wanted me to put you know improve their amazon and, and ebay and this was eight years ago um we grew by it, it's like five. forever ago right eight years ago in amazon years, that's like in amazon a, years yeah right yeah right <laughs> so like i still didn't know anything i guess is what i'm getting at um, but I knew that like, if I put attention on this stuff, like I could literally make a change in the CSL. And so it was like, I, I had the bug for e-commerce then, but it was to be the best e-commerce manager and work for a really cool company at that time. Um, grew sales by a million. Um, again, so back to back years, I'm like, dang, I'm pretty good at this, this is cool. The company, the corporate company was a lot slower to move and didn't let me try things. And the culture just wasn't like, I wanted to be the best e-commerce manager. They weren't sending me to conferences. They weren't getting people under me. They had me doing silly stuff like writing reviews on the website. I'm like, first of oh, all, on their own website. I don't falsify reviews. That's not my character. And I am way- I've been there. Don't worry. <laughs> no ego, but like an intern can do this. Like I should be doing, like I just made this change over here that saved us like $50,000. 
Like, you know, like I wanted to be yeah. learning stuff. And um, so I was getting frustrated where I was um, mainly because I just, I wanted to know more about e-commerce. And so mm -hmm. that's what kind of created that to come back to your question. Like I started freelancing on Upwork. Um, I worked with Adidas on a, on a project, um, finished the project up. And I was just like, why did this big agency need to white label me to do this Amazon job? And it was because they didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I realized that us toy was having issues. Like the startup had potential, even Adidas, like these agencies that are big, that are like, you know, prestigious don't know what they're doing. And it was kind of like this light bulb moment. Um, that was like, even at that time, I didn't know anything, but it was, um, I need to go all in on this. I think this is a big, I think this is big. And I think if, if these two companies from us toy to Adidas need, um, this kind of work, I think other people will need this work. And um, I had essentially one client ask me to like, after I'd done the project on Upwork, they asked me to like stay on and just like mm -hmm. to manage it from, you know, and there weren't Amazon agencies. There weren't like, I don't come from an advertising background or an agency background. Um, so it wasn't like I set out to build this, this way. right. Right. It was just, Hey, like I can work on these businesses and work from home. And it was actually, I could get two hours back of driving a day. I was driving an hour to work and an hour back. And I was like, I can make, you know, I can get paid this salary with just like four or five of these brands um, and get two hours of my day back. And it was like quality of life. You know, I've just been chasing quality of life enhancements, if you want to call it that. And yeah, everything else has kind of come from that. Um, That's awesome. Max, obviously matched with like extreme passion for what I'm doing and work ethic, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I love Amazon and hate it. I love it because of, uh, you know, it's changed my life drastically. And like, we get the work we do is awesome. Like we get to work with cool companies. We get to work with companies, small companies, large companies that make a difference. We get to change, you know, um, during the pandemic, we are a lifeline for brands. Um, and it's, yeah. it's rewarding work. Yeah, absolutely. And so when did marketology like stem from that? Is that just, is that you guys, is that just like, that's the agency you wanted to put together? Like you have a couple other brands that sound like from your bio kind of stem from that and that you wanted to build. What was like, so the team that you're managing over there, that's your agency. How many people are working with for you? Yeah. What's um, that look 14 like? of us. Um, 14. Okay. Wow. There's 14 here in Kansas city. Um, and we have a small team in India that does like graphic design and some, and some of those VA things for us, um, you know, to help add our team. So, um, but yeah, here in KC 14, um, and it really just started with me. Um, I had a partner at the time I bought her out like four years ago. She just wanted to kind of be a freelancer, like, you know, smaller yeah. and I wanted to grow it. Um, so, and then, uh, one of my sisters moved from, she's, uh, got her master's in engineering from, uh, USF in Florida. And when she finished up, she came and moved and, uh, became like my employee number two. And from there we built this thing together. So, um, awesome. yeah, it's it, obviously as the world is caught up, society is caught up to understanding Amazon and brands knowing that they need to be there. It's been a lot easier and we've grown a lot faster in the early years. Um, I honestly think they're almost too early. Uh, you, know, you were too early. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, like everyone was still understanding what FBA was. We're like, what is this crap? Like, what's the yeah, difference and between FBA and FBM? Innovative, like private label sellers or like, you know, real like um, e-commerce nerds that were like playing in the space. Yeah. They're, they're still building out their own branded websites or, you know, like if anyone moved from retail, it was to their own branded website. Like, that, that was it, like on Magento or yeah, that oh might have even God. been prior to Shopify. Yeah. I had to build on Magento, man. <laughs> it sucks. I, I, yeah, my first e-commerce corporate position was um, on Magento Enterprise. And uh, trying to integrate that with Amazon stock and just the different plugins back then was like hell. Honestly. The API yeah, didn't exist at all. Yeah, it was we were running FBA, FBM. Uh, our own branded websites and then we we're also sending out because uh, we were a uh, distributor as well so we we're like like wholesaling essentially to retail stores like around the world like north america whatever and so we started playing like this is my inventory over here this is yours over there and like don't mess with that because if you fulfill orders somehow we have to fulfill it so it takes from inventory from one place it takes from the other so that was just like the whole like 
that was back in 2014. So it was just like when the FBA was getting really sexy, like mm -hmm. starting to at least. And so like we were figuring out like internationally and just really ahead of the time. So that's where I started like becoming that relationship with e-commerce too, because even the psychology around a deal is what almost like on the buyer side too. This is what I, I get into with people is like how, what, at what point makes something so irresistible to put in a series of numbers where people didn't feel comfortable with putting in their financial information to get it so that you are promised that it's going to arrive at your home at that point. I almost always ask the question, at what point did e-commerce become not just a luxury, become a necessity? Does that, is there a point in your time, like in your mind, there's like, yes, like necessity, boom, this is when it happened. I think people that really valued their time bought into e-commerce first. Uh, yeah. That's opinion based. Okay. I have no data for that. <laughs> like there's just so much time that can be saved by buying online. Um, right. And you save like that in-person shopping for different things. Um, you know, I would say it was before the pandemic in some ways, but like, you know, I give Amazon a lot of credit for pushing e-commerce forward as a whole, um, as much as people hate on it uh, for a bunch of different reasons, right? Like everyone has an angle, but Amazon was the one that created the standard and we need to respect that. Like, you know, there were websites that were, um, you know, everybody was doing everything. It was absolutely the wild west customers. Can I trust this website? I don't know. Can I trust this one? I don't know. It's like, you know, when you go to like check out at the, at the grocery store, gas station, like every little like ATM pin machine is different. Why yeah. are they all different? Can we have a standard? So I like, you know, um, you don't have to like figure out the machine every single time. And it's just like, okay, it's these buttons, it's these buttons, it's these yeah. buttons. And um amazon did that they're like you know what they bought customer trust online they brought trust to e-commerce because no questions asked you could get a refund uh you know you're getting your item in two days and i remember buying stuff from like banned websites and different things it'd be like six months sometimes it wasn't even china yeah. like maybe six months i don't know across the country i bought a kayak this year i bought it in march showed up in november but yeah. i wanted so i waited okay but like uh i didn't know that when i bought it right, it, right? and uh it, it's just like amazon changed that and i think that um that's the standard now and yeah uh, when you can get something in two days or same day in these cities um it goes from being like a want to like it just becomes part of your life i think at that point yeah a personal story i uh i ordered bed frame because we moved in the pandemic like in july of this past year and we got a new like king size bed from from West Elm, which is again, they have an e-commerce storefront ordered mm -hmm. it thinking like, Hey, they got a legitimate brand behind them. Like they have inventory clearly. Uh, they had, they had like a thousand units. And when I called in, like it kept getting pushed back a month, a month, a month. And I called them after three months. I go, what is going on? They go, Oh yeah, well it's in route. And I, so, and I said, so you're telling me that you guys took the order built it out and then you it's on a container right now across the sea and they're like seems to be that way sir and i go that's fine i work in e-commerce and i understand the logistics nightmares going on right now but just tell us that when we buy it but like that's people are so right yeah but the expectation was like i'm assuming it's gonna come in a month like that would be fine but like six months i didn't get till february of this year i was like we were sleeping on a mattress on our floor and my wife and i were like if we would have known that we might have gone somewhere else or another e-commerce storefront but that, that's how it is now. It's like an expectation. It's like a necessity. You can't go. People don't want to go into a store and lay down on stuff when you have other people right now. Hopefully back soon enough we will be. But um, yeah, that, that's a that's an interesting point. Our, uh, let me ask this question maybe philosophically since you've been in the e-commerce space now for a while. Are other like SaaS companies and other technology companies out there still innovating? Or is everyone just trying to get be like consistent and match each other. Does that make sense? Mm, it does. I uh, say that, be, I say that for a couple of reasons because like, is it a game to like be, this is the things that people need or you people are not afraid to like push the envelope anymore and say like, Hey, look at this cool technology. You may not need, you may not think you need it, but those are really improve like your performance out here. I think that there are tools that can help someone with limited amount of knowledge level up okay so like if you don't know that much i think there's some tools that can really help you grow and exceed mm -hmm. like you know, um 
I think that a lot of the tools that have come out for Amazon, I'll speak to Amazon specifically instead of all of e-commerce, um, a lot of the tools that have come out, um, were they were innovative at the beginning. Um, and they're essentially just making tools that exist in other parts of e-commerce, like yeah. tools that are standard for Shopify or tools that are standard for SEO or Facebook management or different things like that. Um, you know, reporting tools for agencies, uh, you know, and a lot of the tools that came out first were made by the same people that were the first adopters to Amazon, which is I'm going to build a private label brand. These are like the kind of the hacker, the entrepreneur type, you know, that I want to be on an island somewhere by themselves and not run a business. They just, I mean, not run a team. They want to run like their e-commerce store. These are the same people that innovated the technology. So they were the ones creating like keyword tracking and, you know, email follow-ups and all the mm -hmm. stuff they were doing with VAs are doing manually, um, like with their ads and they wanted to just like automate it, you know? So they're already like innovative type of people. They kind of took that realm and then like made their work easier in my opinion or, or better. And then we've all used those tools, the agencies that have come up and different things. We use those tools, but they're not really like built for agencies to plug them into like lots of different brands or like what do agencies need to know as far as reporting or dashboards or, you know, tracking metrics or project management software around this platform or any of those things. Amazon's coming out with those now. And I work with them on some of the betas, like the campaign managers and things. Um, and I do feel like in the reporting space, we're innovating a little bit, but like it, I'm excited to see it on the Amazon side, but I think this stuff has existed elsewhere for a very long time. So I don't, I haven't seen anything that's just like mind blowing. Like this is being innovated, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I asked that because like, I mean, there's so many tools out there. Like I worked, I worked for a SaaS company. I, you know, they were for first adopters and like keyword trackers and things like that. But I think a lot of people like catch up, like, everyone has access to essentially the same API and it just updates with API. How does it look like that's the thing, but when it comes to like being effective to help with an agency or an enterprise level, or just like take someone's business from conception all the way to like exit, nothing has, I don't think anything exists to be like the one all encompassing, like helpful tool, right? Like there's nothing that truly exists like that. And I don't think everything will. I am a service-based agency, so understand the frame of reference all my to the listeners. But you know, I think the software, even the best of it, like leaves it about seventy percent. Yeah. And if you're cool with C's, do it. If you like are an optimizer and you want to be the best two SKUs that you can have, possibly like you know just two SKUs and rock them out, and make them the best you know best top sellers. Um, you need some humans. You need some strategy that really understands this platform. The tools can help you keep your like labor down or, you know, some of those things or like um, now everyone can collect the data. It's more readily available to everyone, but you still need the people that can interpret it and then take action on it. Um, okay. We've got all this data. Like now, what do we do with this? And unless you understand the flywheel of Amazon, like at a high level, um, you're leaving money on the table. Yeah. Where's innovation happening in e-commerce right now in your mind? Worse innovation? Or where is it happening? Hmm. Uh, holism, I would say. So like, and what I mean by that, you could call it omni-channel, call it what you want, but like, it's not really a software that does it. It's more so the thinking around the different channels of e-commerce. I would label them as like websites, um, websites, social media, which is e-commerce because, mm -hmm. oh yeah. And then the marketplaces. So I won't even just say Amazon or whatever, but that could be Target, Walmart.com, Amazon. And how do you get um, all of these channels to work together in unison to build a brand or to build a company from attribution to direct mail from Amazon, like Amazon customers, and then your direct mailing and following up to text messages. Um, and obviously you have to run that balance of not being like express, like the company express, they like email me 15 times a day with discounts. Or text you or text me like I'm over it, you know, and I love their stuff and I'm still over it. Like, it's just too much. Um, expresses in my customer. So I speak freely, but like, <laughs> uh, you, know, um, you know, like I think there's this limit, like of doing too much, like, you know, for customers and things like that, but it's really like, how do I get my data from Amazon? How do I get like, make the most of social? How do I grow social with Amazon sales and customers? How do I, you know, get them to need to come to my site and engage on my site? Um, you know, it's not, it's about this thinking around 
it's not what I want my customers to do. It's, it's where are my customers? What are they doing and how do I get there in the best way possible? And how does all of that work together? So we've got all these individual experts, like let's say Marknology and Amazon expert, and you've got like maybe a PPC off Amazon expert, you got a web designer. We we've created as this field is growing, we've got all these individual experts per se. Um, but we don't have that many that are completely across the board. Um, you know, you might have an e-commerce expert. He doesn't, he knows a little bit about Amazon, but he hasn't obsessed about it for nine years. Right. Um, and so you've, you've got kind of these individual experts. I think the next stage, the next innovation is like the, either the tools, the software tools or the human strategy behind like the best ways to bring that all in together and make the most of it. What, um, so what, what's kind of your guys' roadmap as an agency? Like you guys look at this across e-commerce. Is it across the e-commerce or also Amazon or just Amazon? No, it's just not e-commerce. I mean, we're typically hired for Amazon, um, but Marknology does web and social um, as well. We've got about four or five brands of our, our portfolio that we're doing everything for. Um, and that's just come from, they have a need, um, you know, and I started building those resources internally for my own companies. And so, you know, we started doing that for several companies that we built trucks with and they just wanted to work with our team. So, you know, we do warehousing, um and you know warehousing plays a massive part in e-commerce profitability like are you kidding me like not yeah to just outsource that to a 3pl doesn't care about you or it was like you know, like you're a small customer or they're not really thinking critically with you about box size and inserts and things like that you are leaving massive amounts of money on the table um you know so everything from logistics to advertising to you know we would start with amazon traditionally and then right. it, it, typically the relationship grows from there and then it might be like, oh, can you take over this piece? Oh, can you take over this piece? You know, and then, right. um, yeah. So it's it's uh, we have to know their whole business. Like to be an Amazon agency, um, to really be effective, you need to know everything, because we're not just an advertising agency. We're not just a branding agency. We're not just an SEO agency. We're everything. We are the flywheel, you know, from photography and design to video and storytelling to A plus pages to understanding SEO and tracking those keywords to an advertising strategy that's intentionally built to drive the SEO ranking right of the keywords that we're going after on the platform to follow up after customers have gotten the product to customer service to, um, you know, we're not profitable selling singles. How do we get profitable? Um, you know, let's go to some kits, two packs, four packs, variations. Like we have to kind of be able to um, speak and address a lot of different areas. Um, and when you really have that holistic picture, it's not that hard to step into other areas of the business and, um, you know, pick it up and, and understand what's going on. Because to really run Amazon well, um, you need to know all of that, all the way down to cost of goods sold. And, um, you know, uh, can we save two or three, four points using ping pong? Like, you know, anything back into the business um, is a win for the brand. And if we're thinking like that, um, you know, we're going to win most times. So where's the growth happening right now? Is it Amazon, but also on international marketplaces? Where is it off of Amazon? Where's the major growth happening for you guys and how you're looking to like take that next like level uh, for your brands currently in 2021? Well, I've realized that's a good question. Thank you for teaming up. Um, but I feel like uh, for it just depends on where the brand is, where the next level of growth should be. So like if you're not on Amazon and you're a manufacturer, um, it's going to be Amazon.com. Let's go. You know, yeah. if you are on Amazon.com, you've got your like core products there. Um, is it, you know, new products, uh, new product introduction, you know, and new SKUs? Depends on the kind of category. I would take it you know, play by play, um, international expansion is huge for us. Um, so like brands that are doing well in, in .com, I'm like, why wouldn't we be in Canada? You know, if we have a seasonality product, why wouldn't we be in Australia to offset that seasonality? Like that's a big one. That's a no one think, no one said that before. Yeah. To offset like the seasonality aspect, Thank like you. in the other side, like the bottom side of the equator when it's summertime and it's winter here, it's summer there. So yeah, that's so, that like we're sense. thinking about Brazil and, um, what are some of these markets we can get into that for some of my brands that are very seasonal, like, you know, Australia is a great one for my seasoning brand. We have a seasoning brand that's barbecue and all that kind of stuff. Um, why wouldn't we be in Australia? Right. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, during our winters, their summer. And, um, so that was a big move, you know, like little wins like that, uh, 
and it's not really that hard once you kind of like it's really on the setup kind of like the the paperwork of getting your tax paperwork in order and you know your bank account gst vat all that fun yeah, stuff once yeah. you get that done um you know there's still a lot of management work but it's essentially the same plan as com. you know so we're finding a lot in international we're finding you know continue to tell people to introduce new products um because it can be like you know you're, you're on your third product it's okay you're on your fourth product bang that one hits like you know and you're doing your best every time, but sometimes you just find that one that's like, so unless you're introducing a new product, you're never going to really learn that. Um, once internationally, like an area for growth is localization, getting our translations better and our ads dialed in and finding growth there by just getting more intentional, more specific, more dialed in. Um, down to logistics, okay? Helping people get their logistics better, um, you know, from packaging to what, like, help me understand these costs. Like this doesn't make sense. You know, sometimes it's like these costs are way too high. Let's, let's talk about what's happening here. Maybe there's something I can help with. Um, so obviously streamlining everywhere possible um, and helping educate. A lot of times it's, it's, we need to educate the brands a little bit um, to be like, Hey, there's actually like some points you can shave here or here's, you know, um, because if we save three, let's say we save three, three points in currency conversion. Yep. Okay. Um, in some businesses, depending on the size, if we could get, you know, 3% um, back into ad spend, right? If you can get the brand to buy in that everything you save them from- um, Cost of goods or anything like that, yeah. Right? Like, let's raise the price. Let's like, you know, lower inbound costs. Let's like bundle them together, um, saving, saving, savings, you know, maybe you're streamlining straight from China into Amazon instead of stopping somewhere else, you're helping them with that. And then it's like, at the end of the day, give me all of that budget back and let's throw it into ads. Okay. And let's like drive. Up. Um, so yeah, you know, but then the last thing I'll say is now that we've like became experts on Amazon, I really feel like, you know, absolute experts as a team on Amazon. Um, then it's like off Amazon efforts really matter. And if your like goal is to like have a number one bestseller on Amazon or launch a book or specific categories, like, because of Facebook ads can be so like, um, you know, specific demographics, like who's your buyer, like age, all that. And Amazon doesn't have that yet. And we're just competing for these specific keywords that we want, maybe with other people as well. The off Amazon traffic, TikTok, YouTube influencers, um, you know, mommy bloggers, those things can be massive um, as far as adding extra firepower to your Amazon program. So it's um, digging into some of those as well and, and helping brands understand we've maximized what we can do on Amazon to take it to the next level. Like let's say the stay in.com and take it to the next level. Um, let's dial up our off Amazon or try some things out there like direct mail or texting, yeah. you know, or things like that. Yeah. What's your take on um, aggregators in the space? Like it's a big, it's a big buzz area right now. Thrasio, Payday, um, you know, Elevate Brands, all the, all these people. Gosh, I talked to a broker the other day and like, he said, yeah, maybe there's a hundred, but not like a hundred specific, just Amazon, but there's a lot of people out there like buying and selling, have equity behind them. They constantly are coming above. Like you found another one and another one. There's massive amounts of money being thrown at it. Part one, what is like as an agency owner, what's kind of like your take on that? And then part two, is that help e-commerce and Amazon? So part one, as an agency owner, I've been contacted eight times this year to have my <laughs> firm bought. Um, okay. I, just to have, just be bought in general. All right. To, to be bought, to be rolled up. Like, you know, I've been contacted by some of the big ones. They wanted to buy Marknology or at least see if I'm interested. Um, that's not my goal. Like, you know, I honestly want to buy or acquire or build my own brands and, and kind of like at least get to 50, 50 at some point where I'm, I'm working with my own brands as well as like high end other brands. That'd be my ideal situation. Um, you know, I think it's good for the space because like, you know, I've spent nine years doing something and there's a lot of degrees that people get paid quite a bit and they go to school for less than nine years. Um, and so it's, it's bringing a little bit of respect to our space and giving a dollar amount to it. And, um, people understanding that if they want the expertise that I have, let's, you know, like, um, at a high level, you're going to have to pay for it. And I don't just mean by hiring Marknology. I mean, like if you want to bring an e-commerce guy with high level knowledge in house, um, you better be able to fork out six figures plus easily. Right. And when I first started doing this, it was, you know, 15 an hour on Upwork. So like, 
it's come a long ways, um, you know, so e-commerce and just like the technicians and the scientists that have been here kind of paving the way are starting to get, you know, we're going to be able to start charging what we need to charge to get quality people on our teams um, to build awesome agencies, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that part. Um, I think some of the negatives are I had three people poached this year um, from bigger yeah. agencies like on the coast, you know? Um, and there's I was gonna say, where do you guys fall in the, do you guys rank yourself based on like revenue, like market they, share or value or like, how do you do it? Amazon. I had a little argument with them this week. Um, <laughs> you know, they're not I, in your, uh, they're not in your Christmas card list right now. Right. Well, I was essentially arguing, um, you know, I think we manage like I'm on goal to, to manage like 4 million in ad spend across our brands this year. Okay. Okay. Um, they have these tiers for sure. Like we're in, um, I think we're a tier three. Okay. So I'm in the pilot program for the tier three agencies. Um, so there's 60 of us. Their goal is to grow you to 10 million. Then you're in a tier two. Okay. And then 10 million to probably 50 million and then tier one or something like that. What I tried to explain is that the expertise doesn't necessarily lie in the agencies that are spending the most. Okay. So um, just because I think I, I think I follow what you're saying. Yeah. Like Vanger Media, let's say as an example, right? I knew that if they had the actual talent in house, his book would look way better on Amazon. Okay. Like yeah. I know I can look at some of the brands they're launching or whatever they're doing. They're an Amazon partner tier one. I know what expertise they have in house, but I can look at it and see it. Okay. Um, that's just an example. Cause I know Gary V's team can handle that, whatever. Right. Um, but the point being to Amazon, I'm saying, Hey guys, like we might only be managing 4 million, but that's because we're getting all the innovative brands that are first to Amazon that are like ready to move. Like, the big agencies that have been there for a long time doing SEO or website builds or branding at a very high level, um, they're getting those big ad spend budgets, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those teams have the most expertise. Yeah, that, that makes sense. sense. And yep, that makes yeah. sense. Um, and so I think there's this like, you know, smaller agencies that are coming, that are growing and getting aggregated, of course, but they are the ones that have been out here like pioneering the space and really learning and been here since for nine years watching the tools change. And, um, you know, even if an agency gets one ex Amazonian, the chances of that guy working on 300 brands, just to put it in perspective, like literally the strategy on 300 brands or work all sides from logistics all the way to ads to vendor central migrations to, international expansion like that's not how amazon works if you know anything about amazon they work in these silos they move every year to two years into a different department um so even an ex-amazonian that has a high level understanding of how things work there probably wasn't in the weeds of the whole flywheel right yeah as an example so even someone that's like got tenure um so i think these agencies that are a little bit smaller like marchology um like other agency owners i know a lot of them that have a lot of talent um they are the ones that really have the expertise of like a high level strategy for brand and getting the most out of nothing um and it's not going to be the big spenders yeah so and then so in part two so this is my other question with these aggregators in the space which is i think you said a good thing that is shining light on this industry putting a dollar figure on it it's exciting what they're doing do you do you see it to go in a different way before we have to wrap up today do you see it going a, a couple different ways one they build out their own agency team where they acquire and then kind of like it's almost like a farm system right if you're a sports fan i say farm system like you start launching brands like if, if you're a software service you're helping bring sellers in third-party sellers are or a private label and they're coming in and then all of a sudden you have the data in-house because you own that solution and you can start to say hey we are going to sweeten this deal before you pop essentially buy them before either the brand knows it or kind of like farm them to these aggregators. Is it that, or is it going to be, you know, they, they're just like a Procter and Gamble. Like it, it's the retail version of Procter and Gamble. Everyone's just becoming more diverse, have different brands in different places. It's just going to continue the way it is. I think there's going to be a lot of change. Um, I think you're right. And you kind of brought a different perspective that I thought about in some of the softwares and things like that. Um, I see. Well, I've had this comment. I feel like I bring this up to 10 different people and 10 different answers come up. So it feels like there's something there in that regards. Cause yeah. I've talked to like Thoracia, I've talked to elevate brands and those guys are fantastic, but the rate at which Thoracia acquires or they're like hiring people. Like, again, these people are 
to put in perspective, and I had Joe uh, Valley on with Quiet Brokerage. He goes, think about this. Like you have brands who are have like six figures riding on this, but you have a person who's in charge of logistics who is like getting paid $50,000. Like the value of compensation between one versus the other is like drastic in terms of like one versus the other. But the point I'm making is they're, they're, they have so much to do with so many different brands. Like I think there actually was like a hundred brands at 114,000 products. So it's on average 140 different products per brand. Theoretically, obviously like excuse the numbers, but like at some point you would think like with all the data that you aggregate, you either buy or you develop your own tools and then you just develop the farm theoretically a farm system, if you will say like, Hey, we'll, we'll sweeten this deal before that happens. So I'm curious on your take on that. Um, not to I, piss anyone off here. If we were like talking with people or actively, like it's just the thought, like, you know, a year or two from now, I could see like the first company saying we're going to acquire a helium 10 or a viral launch or there are in-house tool now. Yeah. And I think that you're right. Like um, I'm to the point, I'm kind of doing it in reverse where now that I'm going on seven years, like I'm like, what software can I develop? Cause I've tried them all and know them all and know the space. Yeah. Um, of course. Got more capital to do it. Um, That's the other way to do it too. Right. Scaling. Like one, we take over for other agencies that are dropping the ball a lot. Um, and you know, it's people seeking us out. We're not always the first that they find, but we are, our reputation is strong. And so if people start asking around their friends, you know, references like Marknology comes up a lot. Um, so I know we're not like the one that's out there, like just everywhere, like that big agency that everyone knows of, um, but reputation matters. And so I think that there's going to be this, like, as they're trying to scale all these agencies that now have big money behind them, they need talent. Um, and they're going to get some people that can like put product up and it's going to kind of go backwards in regards to um, the quality, I think of like optimizations and things like that, because you're going to get a lot of these okay. doers. Um, but if you're buying out owners, if you're wrapping up aggregating agencies, rolling them up, you're going to lose some of those head honchos that have the expertise because they've done it. And so you're actually going to go backwards a little bit, even if you are trying to systemize everything and, um, so it's going to, I think it's, I think they're going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, just because, like I said, I, I probably listed off like between logistics and advertising and like, that's 20 different careers, right? Like that's, that's 20 different. That's why they're hiring like 500 different people right now. Like, or like I talk about Thrasio. Like there's, again, it's not, everything is like them. They're, they're just a quite, they have so much money behind them. So it's fascinating yeah. to watch this like blaze of fire, like pave a path for like people either to sweep in and kind of say like, Oh, let's innovate here. Like jump off points. Does that make sense? Like first the market doesn't mean the best, even though they're doing really well. It means money. Right. And it, it means right. like, you need people. money. I want the tools that they're all going to develop, that this money's going to develop. Like whether it's me or them, I don't care. It's going to help me do my job better. And I know that. And until like a lot of money comes to this space, like it's just going to be like the bootstrapping entrepreneurs trying to come out with stuff and, you know, like here and there, um, but to really get innovative and like really make it awesome. I think we need big capital. Um, so yeah, I think there's always going to be that need. And I think whenever you start scaling, like Amazon is um, so intense, it's a lot of work, it's hard. And so you need that relationship with the clients for them to ride it out a lot of times. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, they're buckle up, they're here for the relationship. They know you're working hard they're patient, you're going to get through stuff. And Amazon can be successful for brands, but it's not an easy. Button. And so you need that relationship part. And so I think the challenge to the the owners of these companies that are growing at an extreme rate is going to be um, how to keep their relationships strong. And, um, you know, keep those brands in house, if they're buying them, you don't have to lose them, right. But if they're an agency that's scaling, that's also like bringing in outside business. Um, that relationship piece is hard. Yeah. And I know uh, at the top of the hour, I, I want to cap it here. Just think like, what do you, what are you excited about in 2021, Andrew, in terms of like you as a team or just like Amazon? Like I, I saw it through Amazon Launchpad presentation yesterday from Amazon. I thought like some of the tools they're kind of developing for brands and agencies are pretty neat, but is there something specific that you guys are seeing or excited to see like what happens in terms of like, the industry itself? Well, I think as a team, I'm excited. We lost a couple of people last year. We've replaced them with some people I'm very excited about. And so nice. we've got about six, seven months of training with them. So we're hitting the ground running in 2021. Um, and I'm pumped who's on the team. Like some of them moved from across the country to be here. You know, like that's 
crazy for me as like tumbling. Um, so I'm excited about our team in that way. And we're getting stronger, like um, as far as our knowledge in house, like obviously the longer they're with us, the longer as a team, you know, we just get, you get better as you practice, right? Keep clicking. Um, yeah. Yeah. So as a team, I'm really pumped about that. Um, you know, as an industry, um, I worked on a lot of things in 2020, like um, dashboards for my clients and, you know, for my account managers, it's kicking out. I'm using several partners that, you know, kind of create these cool, this cool automation and ways for us to like um, keep better tabs on everything that's going on. And, you know, just like real automation. Um, and I'm excited about that because whenever that rolls out, it's just going to be an, a value add, you know, to our brands and my team. Um, so I'm pumped about that being done probably into February here. I have like a, a prototype already out, but it's getting better. Um, excited about that, you know, because it just feels like these are things I've wanted to work on for my team. And I'm like rolling those things out, you know, because it's, um, it's really important for me. Startup Hustle TV, I'll make a shameless plug. We launched um, Startup Hustle TV, which is a YouTube series um, based off the podcast. The host, like Matt DeCourcy, Matt Watson, these guys are pioneers as entrepreneurs. Um, and yeah, so we're like having some fun creating content around that behind the scenes. We've got a lot of other guests that are on the show too. So, um, I'm stepping to, into a new arena of content creation in that way. Um, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's a scene, essentially seeing where, um, all this lies. I bought two brands in the last 90 days, two small brands myself. Nice. Um, so these are my first that I didn't build, like that I've acquired. And so that learning process of, um, you know, not, I'm not building them to sell. I'm building them to hold, you know, but essentially this is my long-term goal. And so I'm got my feet in and I'm, I'm excited to learn through it and see, you know, how this year turns out with all those things. That's awesome. Well, congrats on the success and like just taking the time today. I know you're busy guys. So I appreciate you time being not part two, like, uh, Daniela, absolutely actually of mindful goods says okay. hello. So okay. she's like, she was on my uh, round table yesterday and she was like, tell Andrew I said hello. And I said, yeah, no, I will. <laughs> Cause she's down there kicking it in Peru right now. And I was like, that sounds lovely right now. Cause Chicago versus Peru. I would probably take Peru. Yeah. This world, this, uh, this space is so small and, uh, I, I love that about it. Honestly, it's the wild west, but like, we're not competitors. I feel like colleagues and it's just like, we're, you know, we're building this space out together. And, um, Danielle is one of my one of my, my close Amazon people that I know that I can go to, you know, I've got probably about four or five. It's not that big, but um, you know, as far as people really doing it and know what they're talking about and have high industry knowledge um, it's a small world. Yeah. I, I love it. That, that's what's really cool about this is you mentioned one name and like, yeah, I know that person. I talked to them last week or what whatever it looks like. Like if I was to mention a lawyer here in Kansas city or a doctor even, or a surgeon, a brain surgeon, or, you know, anything uh, you, you wouldn't know. Right. Um, yeah. But like in this e-commerce space, like you can honestly like mention someone, an agency owner, or a high level consultant, a freelancer. And it's like, yeah, I, I've seen them at a conference. I've seen them um, done a panel with them. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm like I'm excited to be, get plugged in with more people, the podcast and even opportunities yeah. like this just um, made the world much bigger for me in regards to like, you know, the space and, and being able to engage with other partners. I've had aggregators like reach out to me and like people that I just watch at it. Like I watch in the news and like articles you read, like on Forbes or Bloomberg and you like reach out to them like, yeah, I'll like, I'll join you on your podcast. And then just having like random people comment on like LinkedIn to you and they're like, Hey, been watching your show a couple of times and you're doing a good job. And like, that's not a, I have to do this to pat myself on the back. Like pretty cool that people will just like randomly browse, check in. And again, time is money for a lot of these, big time people like yourself and myself. And if they spend time with you, you there's a value there, like whatever that looks like. So, uh, but I appreciate your time here on our show again. Thank you so much for your time. I'm looking for a good stuff when you, with you guys, uh, popping in 2021. So that's success in built, acquiring businesses, growing your Amazon business and e-commerce in general. So thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. See yeah. You. Awesome. We'll talk to you later. And thank you everyone who is watching again on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter. I appreciate your time. That was the sixth episode we did this week, which is crazy in my mind. I want to make sure that I appreciate all of you who are watching again on team replay or team live, whoever it is. I love giving you guys content. I'm going to bring as much value and squeeze as much out of my guests as I can that are willing to come on the show. 
in a loving way and uh, <laughs> e-commerce way. Uh, but next week, I'm I'm dialing it back a bit. Only four episodes, but I'm still really excited. I have uh, Stephen Black with Unstoppable FBA. I have uh, Cameron uh, Yoder from Viral Launch, a former colleague of mine who I am very lucky to have on. We're going to talk about just like following data and utilizing data to like make your decisions in 2021. We also have lots of other guests who are going to husband and wife tandem team. They're using their FBA funds just to fund their travel uh, around the world. I believe the last time I looked, they were in Turkey. So I'm really excited about them. Uh, Summer Hobart. And then also I'm looking at my calendar real quick. I believe I have do, do, do. Oh, this is the beauty of being live. I didn't have it ready for me. Michael, uh, also, I believe I saw on uh, Andrew's podcast, Michael Mayer of, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, on there, yeah, Michael Mayer from, where is it? <laughs> Anyways, I have him on next week. He's he's local, Think Cardiology. That's what it is. So uh, it, all the names are, are blurred in my mind right now, but have him uh, coming on to round up our week. We're going to be discussing a lot of the things that he's going on with his team over there. So thank you for joining and tuning in and watching live. Also, if you're on team download, go ahead and give us a couple of ratings, uh, five star ratings on Apple, Amazon, uh, music, uh, Google podcasts, or Spotify. We appreciate it. Again, I'm your host, Ryan Kramer of crossover commerce. Have a good weekend. Be safe out there, everyone. And we'll tune in next week for other episodes of crossover commerce. Have a good one.